a podcast to honor the gods. This better come with a sacrifice. Deus Ex Media. my super scary listeners welcome back to the super scary podcast where we cover everything from the supernatural to the super powered uh today we have an awesome episode um we are on episode two of our cloverfield coverage um you know this certainly is not really a sequel (laughs) to the original cloverfield kind of sort of spiritual sequel um so today we're we're covering 10 cloverfield lane and i have my good friend zach from my cabbages (laughs) an avatar podcast very well said we need to get you to read the intro thank you (laughs) Uh, hi hi everyone i'm zach i've uh one half of the podcast, My Cabbages. We we do a show about Avatar The Last Airbender. We really get into the weeds of it. We talk about the show and we riff on it and make jokes. And sometimes, very rarely now, I will do little like editing bits. But not so much anymore because I value my free time. <laughs> but I, I can relate to that so hard. Like I used to be like such a like try hard of like, okay, I got to do this and I got to do that and make the podcast all sparkly. And now I'm just kind of like rolling with the punches. If it happens, it happens. I think the base, <laughs> the base uh, project file on Adobe Premiere has four audio tracks. I cannot tell you the last time I've needed all of them. <laughs> and you're coming up on uh, kind of completing your coverage of Avatar, We're right? Round the, in the corner. By by the time this... Well, when does this come out? Um, Like third week of April. Yeah, we'll be... I think we'll be leading up to our final episode. We're on the last two. Um, oh, wow. And our final episode, I will not give away the spoilers, but... We've got a really big and exciting guest that I'm very, very jazzed about. Yes. And uh, Josh knows, but he has sworn to secrecy. Yeah. He's sworn to secrecy. Not not really, but <laughs> <laughs> I I will not I will not spoil it. But it is it is very good if you enjoy Avatar The Last Airbender, you will enjoy this guest that is coming on that's all i'll say <laughs> and you'll enjoy the rest of the show my cabbages absolutely check it, check absolutely. it out <laughs> and we're podcast siblings i don't know if we said that yet deus x media formerly movie night crew network uh has grown once more and super scary is now a part of our um super Woo-hoo! weird freaky vaguely horny family we're so happy to have we're so happy to have you on board well i am happy to be a part of it and without further ado uh let's uh, now that we have our love fest over for each other um uh we are talking about 10 cloverfield lane uh last week we talked about the original cloverfield um yeah so like i said at the beginning this is kind of a spiritual sequel um the original team kind of 
uh, like J.J. Abrams and kind of his crew were trying to uh, possibly write a direct sequel to the original, but they abandoned it shortly after, uh, you know, other kaiju type movies like Godzilla and Pacific Rim mm-hmm. kind of popped up shortly after this. So the market was saturated. Um, yeah, it was very saturated. And those uh, Godzilla and Pacific Rim kind of built their own, um, you know, trilogies, saga, whatever, their own kind of little multiverses, if you will, for all of those. So, um, so this script was just kind of, you know, one of those, uh, spec scripts, you know, they, it's a script written by Josh Campbell and Matt, uh, Stuckin, I think is how you say his last name. They basically wrote this script with the hopes that a production studio was going to pick it up. <laughs> but, but, but before you even began this description, if you had asked me how like this film filmography, whatever you call it, like came together, I would have guessed like, Oh, J.J. Abrams found a bunch of, uh, uh, like, defunct movie scripts and, like, shoehorned very sloppy lore into them to try to somehow wrap them into the same universe, Yeah, maybe? I don't know. The monsters in this movie, spoilers, there are monsters in this movie, definitely don't feel in the same <laughs> realm as the Cloverfield monster. Sorry, you were... Did you have any more, like, history to... Um, to fire off to oh i was i was just gonna say that this essentially what you just said is basically what happened Mm. like this script the production studio uh, paramount bought it and they began working on the film before they kind of shoehorned in a bunch of cloverfield stuff so then jj abrams got involved and they were like oh this is thematically similar to cloverfield and i'm like how <laughs> how how is this is like, like a, a deeply troubling like intimate setting like drama yeah. about paranoia and suspicion sounds, sounds which just like the movie where new york got destroyed yeah i'm like there is no correlation Except for maybe like the last five seconds when you see her drive. Uh, spoiler alert: she survives. Um, she <laughs> she drives God, Josh, off stop to doing that. I haven't God, seen the yeah. movie yet. <laughs> I'm so bad at spoiler alerts, but you know it, it's assumed at this point. The movie. Yeah. Why would you, Why would you listen to this if you haven't seen the movie yet? Like, go listen. Exactly. Go, go watch the movie. Listen to this. Definitely listen to this. But go watch the movie first. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just literally like the last 10 seconds, you see her driving towards freaking Houston or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, you see that there's destruction in the distance, but like none of this really screams Cloverfield to me. I don't know how you feel about it. So I, I remember walking out of the theater, seeing mm-hmm. the original Cloverfield and being just fucking blown away. Like I lost my shit at that movie like i had never seen such a masterful delivery on the like found footage concept yeah i've seen a few really good ones i think wreck is a really really good found footage movie i think the original blair witch is a really good found footage movie yeah but Mm -hmm. this one it took that sort of intimate like um rawness 
and gave it the theatrics of a multi-million dollar film in a way that I just, I was like riveted by. Never has a monster attack felt more visceral, felt more like I was in the trenches of it than that film. Yeah. And then this movie comes along and it has the Cloverfield moniker and we're all like, oh, is it going to be like another monster? Like which city is it going to be attacking this time? Like we're all like thinking it's going to be some (laughs) new kaiju movie. And like the trailer airs and we're like, uh, what John Goodman's like a like an abusive bunker keeper? Like I don't what what is what is it? Where my Cloverfield? Yeah. Where's my Cloverfield? It, <laughs> it turns out that um, man is the monster uh, all along. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe we're all the monster. You know what I mean? That like... being said, those um, <laughs> those expectations set aside and dealt with. This movie is a good movie. I think this movie is a really yeah. good film. I remember being kind of like let down, and then by the end of the movie, it had like won me over. I was like, "All right, this is cool. I like this." Yeah, yeah, and I and I think all the actors in it, like, I mean, they have a pretty solid cast. I mean, John Goodman alone, mm-hmm. you know, I love him from Roseanne days. Um, Roseanne, on the other hand, has gone off the deep end. <laughs> yeah, let's not we talk about that. We will, yeah, we, uh, we won't talk about Bruno. I just um, think, uh, but <laughs> I, I just hear Sully from Monsters, Inc. whenever, like, oh, yeah. on screen, I just imagine Sully. Yeah, I forget about that all the time. Um, yeah, so we have John Goodman um, doing a stellar performance as Howard. We have Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Michelle. Um, she's a great lead character to follow. Um, she's great in everything she's in. Um, but listeners of the pod will probably recognize a name from our Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter episode. <laughs> um, so go listen to that one because it's really good. I wanted that movie to be really good, but I wasn't a fan. Uh, yeah. Well, well, let me clarify. The episode, <laughs> the episode where we talk about it is really good. The movie itself, maybe not so much. I was but... like, this is so dumb. Please be good so they make more of these. And it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have, uh, I, this is a fun fact I did not know until I researched. Bradley Cooper is the voice of Ben, Michelle's fiance that she's talking on the phone with. I did not know that Bradley Cooper was the voice of him. Oh, interesting. What a, what a weird spot to be like, you know what we need for this totally throwaway scene in the beginning of the movie? Bradley fucking Cooper. All the stuff. Bradley Cooper. Listen. Oh my god. Listen, this was supposed to be a big, crazy monster movie, but that phone call from Bradley Cooper at the beginning of the movie was so expensive. We had to film the rest of, we had to film the rest of it in the bunker set. Yeah. (laughs) Play a bunch of sound effects of, of cars driving overhead. Yeah, yeah, they blew the budget on the cast apparently, but um, <laughs> no, um, but yeah, like you said, I I think just kind of my initial thoughts. Um, I do really like this movie. I do you? I have a question. Do you think this would have performed as well if it did not have connections to the Clover Field Clover Verse? Okay, I'll say this. You know how like you know, it's the thing about quantum physics where like observing a particle changes how it how it moves or whatever it feels that way about this where it's like i feel like if the cloverfield wasn't on the name then the third act of this movie would have just been like fucking insanity people would have just been like i I can't take this seriously there's a giant monster a a second ago 
fucking what's his name was the a very compelling and complex mind you a very layered and complex villain uh, yeah and now she's throwing a Molotov cocktail into a giant flying space bug I, I yeah where did what am I watching the same movie like yeah. with Cloverfield you know at least you're kind of at the end you're like oh okay so it is kind of a it's kind of a Cloverfield movie it's like you know our um Recently, I, I was hosting a D&D session in person, which has been lovely. Just having people around a table, snacking, making jokes, like hanging out. It's a whole different world to Zoom. But anyway, I was <laughs> I was having a, um, I had this whole dungeon planned. I had it all drawn out. I had everything. I had all the written like logs that they were going to find in the different rooms. I had everything planned yeah. out. And the session ended just as they got to it. They, they spent the entire session getting there. <laughs> it feels like that's, like, this movie, if you're going to this movie looking for monsters, you're like, you're like okay, maybe the, they, they didn't have to spend the whole movie in the bunker. But the bunker is the movie. Obviously, the when they wrote the script, the bunker was the movie. And and it, right. it feels very much like J.J. went in with his, like, scissors and was like, okay, well, we need to add weirdo monsters into the movie. Well, what kind of weirdo monsters? Like the Cloverfield monster? No, just fucking whatever. Just go on the Unreal yeah, Asset store got. and find a weird monster <laughs> and use that. I don't care. Make this a Cloverfield movie. Um, I think that it might have done fine. John Goodman's a big name. I think that the movie's names would have, would have pulled people to, the, to it. Yeah, I think so as well. I, I mean... Th- on Rotten Tomatoes, this was 90% certified fresh by the critics. It has a 79 audience score. Which is so, rare. It's rare that the audience score is lower than the critic score. Right, right. Um, so, I don't know. I think, I think, like you said, John Goodman alone probably would have pulled people like, oh, he's in a like horror sci-fi movie. Let me go but check it out, you see, know? See, Josh, this is the rub. This is the rub that I have. Uh-huh. I do like the Cloverfield twist that happens, like, the final act of the movie. Like, when fucking aliens start showing up, I'm like, all right, I'm down. Like, <laughs> I did yeah. not expect this, but I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. I, I was primed for some, like, weird fucking CG alien shit, and, well, the last act, it, it definitely delivers. It's a good, good little segment. Yeah. It definitely gives you what you want in the end, <laughs> which which is good. I think if it didn't have that at all or just kind of alluded to it at, in like a, you know, cutaway ending or something like that would have been like shitty. But um, uh, sorry, just looking. So um, another fun fact about this is that I guess they were filming this movie. They were making the connections to Cloverfield, uh, you know, kind of stretching the imagination a little bit. Um, The cast has done interviews saying that they recognized it had similar themes, but they did not know that it would be connected to the quote-unquote Cloververse. That's until so the name. Dumb. I feel like the yeah. same fucking thing probably happened with the Cloverfield Paradox. That movie feels like they were most of the way through shooting it before J.J. was like, hey, man, let's try to fucking, come on. Yeah. That, that, that movie baffles me. And I went in being like, I'm, I'm, pr- I'm primed to like this. 
It's a, it's a space horror film about a bunch of astronauts on a weirdo space station. Sign me up. You don't have to be that great. You just have to entertain me. And still, I was yeah. like mad by the end of that movie. You know, on this rewatch and spoilers for the other two Cloverfield movies, the original and the paradox, just putting that out there. Um, <laughs> but I, I kind of watched these three like, like three nights in a row. Like I did one each. Um, and I, I found myself just because I've watched like Marvel all of these years. I'm like, okay, I can kind of see how the loose threads and you're like trying to say the multiverse in the third one. I, it's it's a it's a very loose thread it's very thin very thin between the three movies but i'm like i mean the the paradox movie i feel like is closer to a sequel of the first one than it is than this one is in the sense of at at least yeah direct connection it does feel like cloverfield paradox maybe in some way attempts to explain where the monsters come from is it that like in the in the paradox, is it is it that the monsters are sent forward and backward in time too, or is it just like a portal opens up? I want to say ugh, they they didn't really like explain that either, but I would assume that it's, it's just almost the like the movie was trying to tell a completely different story for the entire time, and at the last minute, like was worked around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of like. Yeah, kind of like this movie does. Like, hey, last 10 minutes, we're going to wrap it up and kind of connect it to Cloverfield and be done with it. <laughs> but, like, you know, I feel like you could take any... You know, you could take um, Bong Joon-ho's The Host and be like, oh, it's a Cloverfield movie. It's like, yeah. a scene at the end where they, oh, another one showed up in New York. It's like, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like that... It, which is which is why I'm so conflicted because this is a good movie. I do enjoy this yeah. movie. It is a good movie, but you know, art, art like at the end of the day, art is a business. People have to get paid. I understand that, but like, no, art is precious and pure. Yeah, and, and <laughs> I, it matters to me. Yeah, this is why today I was talking to uh, Tina in our chat about um, do androids dream of electric sheep because when they reprinted it recently, they just put Blade Runner on the title. Instead of doing Android Dream Electric Sheep. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't like that. I don't like going like above and beyond this author who can't like decide to release a cut of the book called Blade Runner because he's dead. Like the book is called oh, something. Right. The yeah. movie is called something else. The book should remain what it's called. And Tina was just like, the state must have given permission. Dude, selling books is so hard. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, all right, I guess that makes sense. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I was trying to find that book in the library, and most of it was like Blade Runner, Blade Runner, and I'm like, but I'm pretty sure they say that Blade Runner is loosely connected to the book. Well, no, it, it is. It is in a, an adaptation of the book. Um, oh, okay. It, it takes a, a few liberties here and there, but for the most part, it's fairly faithful. Oh, okay. Yeah, we just went down a rabbit yeah, hole. Yeah, sorry, everyone. Like um, no, you're good. <laughs> I like Blade Runner a lot. I'm a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> um, one more quick little like fun fact. Um, so speaking of movies that could be considered Cloverfield, A Quiet Place for a short p- 
period of time. There's some dark universe out there where all these movies got the fucking Cloverfield uh-huh. treatment. Yeah. Um, they were they were very close to kind of connecting A Quiet Place to Cloverfield and having it be an adaptation, quote unquote. Oh, uh, you so you're you're saying that actually almost happened in this universe. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> in in our current um uh you know, multiverse whatever's um yeah so that actually almost did happen but paramount felt that it was a different enough movie which i agree that it didn't need the cloverfield stamp on it cobbling together the problem with trying to do this whole cloververse thing is like any one of these threats especially the quiet place one would be a like global threat that everyone would have to deal with this like one thing. So it's like right. there's almost no room in your world for another big world-ending threat for like the next movie because how we're still dealing with these monsters that uh, you have to be quiet around. Also, I mean, live next to a waterfall. Am I crazy? Live under a waterfall. You can be as loud as you want. They're not going to hear you. <laughs> yeah. It's a waterfall. Yeah. <laughs> And they're not going to find you because you're hiding behind a waterfall. I, I think I just cracked the code, honestly. I'm good. Yeah. Send me back yeah. into the Quiet Place universe. I'll, I'll make it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll save John Krasinski. <laughs> Emily Blunt will be fine. <laughs> um, so this movie, like, it does a good job of messing with your head. I wanna, yeah. I want to go through kind of the, like, the journey that this character goes through. Because she gets, like fucking in a massive car accident she wakes up she's like chained to the wall and Gosh. then she's like it feels like so so many times she's like flipped back and forth on this like is it all a, is it all bullshit is some of it bullshit is he like what I like about this movie is it shows that a character being like a crazy conspiracy theory nut job and him being right about those conspiracy theories are not mutually exclusive things. <laughs> he can be like right. right about his weird alien conspiracies, uh, and still be like an abusive psychopathic like like nutcase. Oh, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just like so many times watching this movie the first time, I was like, okay, so it's all bullshit. And then like the pigs, and I was like, oh, well, maybe, but he could just he could get some like fleshy rotten pigs and stick them over there and so when she wakes up he can be like oh go check out the pigs it could have been plants that's easy and then the lady shows up and she like bashes her fucking head against the glass and i'm like okay either yeah. he's like paying actors or or <laughs> like this is this is a real thing and then she gets outside and she fucking takes off the helmet and there's birds chirping and i'm like what the f-? so it's not like i like, I felt gaslit by this movie in a way that, like, oh, was yes. effective. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. And specifically that woman that kind of looks like she has a flesh-eating virus type thing. Uh-huh. I was like, like, that portion of the movie, I'm like, how do we explain that? Did the aliens get to her? Is she just... Her own kind of crazy, like... So I will say, I think the movie does a pretty good job of telegraphing this. In the end scene, when she's, like, being attacked by that thing, it, like, sprays that, like, almost like that pesticide, like, that that 
gas. That's the poisoned air. It doesn't linger because it is not like a nuclear fallout thing. It's like localized, which is why like it didn't just kill off everything in sight. Uh, It was my interpretation was this showing that it like it is localized and then, you know, it dissipates and then she can take off her helmet again. showed that like it's not like a thing that lingers for like months or years or whatever. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I didn't really think about that because I guess she does find the lady dead in the little like shed garage thing later to find her keys Mm -hmm. for the car. And we never get like a definitive like she never like, oh, he's sneaking out this secret entrance that like, you know, he's going to the convenience store to get fucking Reese's peanut butter cup. Like it's not like a a, like a, a Kimmy Schmidt situation, you know. Right. <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, he's as in the dark as we are about what it is. And I think that that is like, it's hard to kind of tell watching back, like when Howard is lying and when he's telling the truth. But he definitely seems to think that, like, this thing is everywhere. It's widespread and you will go up to die if you go outside. But. Right. Also, and I'm sorry, I'm on like a, a really big tangent right now. No, no, you're good. You're good. But <laughs> Howard is one of these people, one of these like doomsday preppers where like, okay, could the end of the world happen? And should you be, should you have a plan for what, if shit goes down, you should know what you want to do. Yes. Uh, is it even like over the top to do this to build like a bomb shelter and like prepare yourself for the order. No, I guess not because like whatever. One day society will fail for sure, and if I'm not around, yeah. then maybe my kids can inherit this bunker and they can be safe. Who knows? But these people that build these bunkers, they build these bunkers because they are begging for the end of the world to happen. Oh my god, they'd like fucking tweak their nipples at night thinking about how awesome it would be if the fucking world ended and they were validated <laughs> for building their $100,000 fucking nuclear bunker. Right. And so he is reveling. For the first like half of this movie, it feels like he is just reveling. He's like, I'm right. I am right. Uh, yeah. And I have a bunker and you both don't. And that's why you're here and you better fucking be nice to me. Right. Um, but it see it seems like uh, the the question that I have is how many other times has Howard kind of uh like huddled in this bunker because it it the reveal later that yeah. there have been other women that he's kidnapped to kind of like he has this like weird thing about um like Michelle kind of being a pseudo daughter for him. Um, and like he lost touch with his daughter because he was like batshit insane. Um, so I'm wondering if like he does this every few months, like, he, <laughs> you know, like and, he lures someone here and then like convinces them that like the world has ended and that he's saved. Them. Right. Oh man. I mean, so when I watched this movie back, uh, today I had forgotten about this, like, woman that he had kidnapped that like scratched help into the glass and shit yeah her earring like and i was sitting downstairs uh, when that was revealed and i was like what the fuck and alex was like haven't you seen this before and i was like yeah but i forgot about this part um (laughs) it was a like it was like a unique thing where it's like 
they were finally like all sort of getting along, like dealing with each other's kind of uh, yeah inequities and what have you, and like he it's just it is revealed immediately that like oh they are both actually in very real danger and they need to leave like as soon as possible, but they're fucked because if they go outside they will die. It's like it's 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 Howard's ideal scenario. There are people that are beholden to him. Uh, a, a a a pretty like sort of young woman who he can kind of graft the feelings for his daughter onto, and this pesky annoying hick that he has to somehow find a way to like get rid of. That he definitely yeah. from the beginning of the movie he's like this fucking third wheel sitting here in my fucking bunker, yeah, trying my he patience, would... relating to her <laughs> as a human. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah. How dare he be charming and relatable and uh, not be a, a crazy weirdo? Yeah. Yeah. John Goodman does a terrific job of this kind of like, if I can't have her, no one will yeah. kind of attitude. Like, it's it very much that. It but doesn't feel. I don't know. It doesn't feel sexual to me. It feels right. more like a paternal like a toxic sadistic paternal kind of thing where he wants to he wants to protect her because it matters to him that that she relies on him absolutely having someone rely on him is i think what he ultimately wants he doesn't want like some forced pseudo romantic relationship right um i would agree with that he wants her appreciation he wants her respect Right. And I think um uh I think Emmett is the other guy's name, right? Emmett, yeah. Um Yeah. I thought it was smart even though he does die right after he does this, but um whenever they're making the hazmat suit to like try to escape and go outside, mm-hmm. um and uh Howard finds all of the tools and stuff and he's like, Well, I was trying to steal your gun because I, I wanted to impress Michelle and like, you know, you, you command respect and I want to do that. Like, I think that was a smart play, but yeah, it ultimately, ultimately, it was, you know, he rolled a 19 and he needed a nat 20. It was unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was very unfortunate for Emmett. And I kind of forgot about that scene, how Howard just kind of is like, okay, bye. Yeah, like, immediate. And, like, um, puts his body in the freaking, um, what's it called? Uh, uh, The acid. The the acid, yes. Thank you. (laughs) Citric. Not citric. That's in lemons. (laughs) A little little more dangerous. Drowned in citric acid. (laughs) Yeah. We're Um, we're dissolving him in citric acid. It's going to take months. It's gonna take months. Um, um, but he, like he pulls out that I remember, like I'm trying to remember if we had all seen Breaking Bad by this point. Like th- this b- big barrel when he reveals this barrel, I feel like yeah. we are all primed to be like, oh, that's some kind of corrosive acid that's gonna fucking melt yeah. your skin off your bones. Uh, yeah, and then he pulls it into the. He's like, he's like, like haul it into the bathroom and i was like oh someone's gonna die yeah <laughs> someone is definitely gonna die and it ain't gonna be uh uh 
whatever uh, her name is. The uh, Michelle. Michelle. Yeah. Like, ain't gonna be Michelle. <laughs> um, but that, and then later when she tips it over, ah, oh, the like the the acid jar was or the acid barrel was a great like callback. It was a great like set piece. We got a lot of mileage out of it. Yeah, we get to see like the the weird like dismembered body being dissolved in the the like pelican case full of acid <laughs> and like yeah. uh and then she tips it and he falls and i think his makeup maybe could have just been a little more grisly it would have been cool if it was just a little more grisly yeah. i was thinking like when he when his face is revealed i i was expecting him to look like fucking like chris nolan's two-face Oh yeah, that would have been so freaking cool. And uh, it was just a little more like, oh, he's got a lot of blood on his cheek. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just starting to eat away at his skin. <laughs> he has some time. Yeah, I yeah I agree. I wish they would have kind of amped that up. Um, because a lot of it is psychological horror, but I think just having that would have that kind of practical effect would have just amped up the you know the craziness of the scene and her trying to get through the freaking um uh the freaking ducks of (laughs) air ducks um which i don't know how she fit in there i a i don't know how she fit in there and b i don't know how he didn't manage to stab her at the it can't be that hard like you can see her through the grate. Wait yeah. until like her butt is there or something and stab her. Like, it, yeah, get her in the hard. leg. Like, yeah, like there was so many times. He, like, I'm sure, but based on just how she's like crawling through the vent, like he can tell where her body mass is, and he always manages to stab like a foot in front of her face. Yeah, and then she like <laughs> screams loudly, and he doesn't like just correct it. And, and that was that was a little bit silly. I don't know if you've ever seen House of Wax with Paris Hilton and like, um, yeah, it's like a scene where she's running through this like garage warehouse type thing. And there's like a, a floor with like slots in it that he could like slice her freaking, uh, Achilles heel. But there's a couple times where he tries to stab her and it's like a gratuitous shot of Paris's tits, but it's like a similar shot where John Gooman was like, trying to stab Michelle and it's like just ever so slightly not in uh the right place. <laughs> I remember that Achilles tendon scene that like came oh. that came wrenching back into my memory. Yeah, it's something that has stuck with me throughout the years. And it's like anytime I hit the back of my heel I'm like, oh no <laughs> uh, Yeah. Oh man. Yeah uh, I wanna talk about the um the set that I think was just really well designed. Oh um, yeah. The bunker, because here's the thing that like, I feel like people, when they watch movies, they just don't really, they don't really think about this, especially in situations where you're like building a set on a soundstage as opposed to like, uh, you know, going to a house and filming on location somewhere is right. you, you know, you have to design a space that both looks like it could be lived in and a space that gets you some great camera angles because you are going to be using that space the whole damn movie and it better be dynamic because if not 
your audience is going to get bored real fast. And yeah. let's like let's take stock of the um, the sheer number of settings in this movie. We 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 truly. You know, we go from last night where I watched uh, the D&D movie and they go to like three different cities. They go to an underground like fortress in the nether region. They go to the fucking, <laughs> they go to this big stadium, all these things. Here we have the bunker and we have um, <laughs> outside of the bunker. So within the, yeah. within the bunker, we have a family room. We have a bathroom. We have a food storage room, and we have, like, her bedroom, and then presumably, like, his room and stuff, but we don't ever see Howard's room. Um, we also have that space up uh, through the vent, which, like, I don't... Is, how is that the only way to get to that space, like, from the bunker? You'd think that there'd be, like, a yeah. tube with a ladder somewhere that, like, somebody could get access to it through the bunker. Because if there's a nuclear fallout situation, you need to get up there. How are you going to get up there? There there had to have been like some sort of secret passage or something because uh we were talking about the the girl before Michelle that got kidnapped she carved help mm-hmm. and it looked like it was in Be- blood or something. And I'm not trying to typecast, but okay, if you have purchased and built a bunker to survive the apocalypse, you are neither skinny or a woman. So how are you going to get into the vent to fix the filter? When the air breaks. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, you know, I think I, I, I don't think I came up with this theory on my own. I think I saw it online somewhere. So I apologize. I don't have the source for it. But I think that if this is a trend where Howard has kidnapped women in the past, that he tries to gain their trust. And then they have this uh, fake situation that they have to correct and they work together in order to kind of come together. Mm. It's like a, Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, like it's, it's like a it's like a Stockholm syndrome play. It's like Yeah. He's mm-hmm. like engineering a situation that forces collaboration and whatnot. Exactly. Um, That's my theory on why she's able to get through that, but I'm not sure. We don't know that um we don't know that he didn't we don't know that this wasn't an engineered um, problem. Right. The, like, we assume because, I mean, we at least assume watching back, we know that there is actually a horrible, you know, world-ending shit going on outside. But... Yeah. And we and we watch it back and we, we see this happen. We go, oh, well, maybe it was just some thing that happened on the outside. Like, there was some giant alien fucking flying bug thing landed and didn't get the vent <laughs> open or whatever. But you're right. It probably was just him taking advantage of that moment to be like, oh, oh no, now we have to do this, the bonding event. Yeah. Fucking Emmett's here. Fucking Emmett. Yeah. <laughs> Ruining you, Emmett. everything. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because I, I, I just feel like the alien invasion that happens kind of simultaneously as this is just perfectly timed with Howard kidnapping Michelle. And it just so happens that everything works out in Howard's favor to be like, well, I told you, like we said, you know. Yeah. Like I said, it's his like, like fantasy dream scenario that he like fantasizes about all the time is like, 
oh, I've pulled, I have kidnapped another girl, and I'm right this time. Like, the world is over. The, the world has ended. Right. Um, fucking Emmett's here! Emmett! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um... Another uh, speaking of Emmett, I I kind of have a, a question because Emmett says that he helped Howard build the bunker, mm-hmm. right? So I'm so that kind of makes me think like has he been helping Howard kidnap these girls, or did he just help build it and he just so happened to be in the area? When like, he kidnapped Michelle, or... Your thoughts about this whole, like, um, sort of engineering this this malfunction had me thinking about this. Like, he built the bunker. Did he did he help build this weird fail-safe thing? He's like, I need a... I need a switch in my office that when I flip it, it will engineer a uh, failure of the ventilation system. What? Right. Why would you need that? <laughs> Why would you need that? I, I don't pay you to ask questions. Just do it. Yeah. It, it just makes me think that either Emmett was in on it or Emmett is just that dumb that he didn't put the clues together. I think it's probably. I, I don't know. More Column B. Because I think that he, yeah. <laughs> he reacts pretty genuinely surprised, I think, when they put the pieces together. Like the two of them, yeah. When they finally yeah. put the pieces together and they put all the photos and shit, and like they realize, and he identifies her as like Brittany or whatever. She's like such a like country name, Brittany. Yeah, it's like <laughs> of course the girl who like went missing in the countryside's name is Brittany. Of course, <laughs> of course. We stand Britneys. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a Brittany hater. <laughs> Hashtag free Britney. Hashtag uh, takes a whole yeah, it's <laughs> a whole new meeting for this, right? Yeah, I I was just like thinking about it this time around. I was like, he's literally saying that he helped build this bunker. So wouldn't you think he has like some sort of a knowledge of what Howard's been doing? Um, we also don't know how long in between these girls being kidnapped that Howard has done this or. That's what, what we. That's know. the kind of twisted thing that we learn, right? Is that like it, the shirt that she's wearing isn't his daughter's; it's Brittany's. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. A, it's pretty chilling. Like there's just such when you go from and again, I keep I keep coming back to this because it is this movie is it is like it's like in uh, Percy Jackson where Percy's like, oh, his biggest flaw is his loyalty to his friends. It's like, well, you could say that that is a that is a boon, that is a that is a strength. This movie's strength is that it's this movie's greatest strength is at the same time its greatest weakness because the Cloverfield thing is like we're expecting monsters and the fucking oh, remember in Cloverfield Lane when the fucking Statue of Liberty head came screeching through the the bunker? No, that never happens. Yeah, <laughs> but what we do have are these moments. The first moment where the three of them sit down to eat food together, and like he like loses it on her, and Emmett like is trying to joke about the board games and keep things light and be charming and fucking Howard can't and he hates him for it. He hates him yeah, for it. and like that scene 
shows so much about like how Howard sort of controls the situation. There's so many subtle moments where Howard is like dictating. Where like um you know Emmett's trying to pay him a compliment. He's trying he's trying to say like this is this sauce best sauce I've ever had. And he's like, Are you are you messing with me? And he's like, No, well considering that, you know, it's the end of the world and it's either this or, or death, best damn sauce I ever had. Like he like course corrects beautifully and like you know Howard cracks up or not cracks up he's like well, that's a pretty good point uh, and then he finds some he's like but watch your language at the table he has to get in his like little mm. like element of control yeah. he's like I will give your tacit I will give your thing like my tacit approval but I will also issue you a command so you know he's in charge right right like, Howard's been listening to too many fucking like alpha male podcasts yeah <laughs> Too many Andrew Tate, like yeah, <laughs> ugh, gross. Um, yeah, gross. Ugh. I do not um, like. I do not like those alpha male podcasts. And you, you, my friend, can quote me on that. Uh, we've we've kind of alluded to the end, but um, you know what are your, what are your thoughts about the ending once she finally gets out of that bunker and she's trying to figure out a way to get off the damn property. <laughs> So I, and you know, maybe this is just my dumb monkey brain who likes to be like ugu gaga surprised, like oh surprise, oh my god, I'm surprised. I like that sensation maybe because I am a fan of movies that suddenly, without warning, become other movies. Uh, oh yeah, this is very much one of those where like she gets out of the bunker and it's like all right well howard's most likely dead or he's at least unconscious due to smoke inhalation uh and then the bunker (laughs) blows up and you're like all right well cool and then aliens show up and she has this whole scene in the barn where she has to like fend off the the alien monster things and you're like what the what the fuck is happening like (laughs) This is a different she- movie, but I but I like it. So what I was telling you about is the. Um, sorry, you were gonna say something. Oh no, I was gonna say yeah. Like she she just went through this like kind of traumatic mm-hmm. experience in a freaking bunker, and now she has to go through another traumatic experience. And I think even at one point she's like, "What the fuck? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. what? Like oh. seriously?" <laughs> she has one of those moments. She's like, "You gotta be kidding me!" Yeah. Or oh yeah. Like that's that. probably what she says. Yeah. Um. <laughs> There is. Uh, I was telling you about this movie, Sunshine, which I definitely think you should cover on the podcast. Uh, it's by Danny Boyle, the, the creator of 28 Days Later, 28 Months oh, Later. Oh, nice. Uh, it is a, it's like a spaceship sci-fi movie that uh, is about this team that's going to deliver this giant payload to the sun to reignite the sun because it's like dying or whatever. Um... And I won't give away much more than that, but this movie uh, becomes a very, very different movie suddenly in the third film, in the third act, in a way that I was riveted by. I and almost no one else, including Danny Boyle, who, like, lists this movie as one that he does not like in his own filmography. Oh, no. (laughs) I like this movie. No one else seems to. I really do. (laughs) 
I've watched it many times over the years, and I I will I will defend it. I will defend it. Well, if I do it, I will definitely have to bring you on, and then we'll have to share our thoughts. Uh, it's just that, yeah, like in the same way that that movie suddenly just kind of like the meme of the car like swerving onto the freaking with the with the <laughs> overpass sign of the two arrows. Like yeah. The movie just kind of swerves into like alien survivalist movie all of a sudden, and uh, literally, it's a ton of fun. I, you know, I had a good time watching it. I still have a good time watching it when I watch it. It's got that like uh, sort of nuanced, intimate feel of a, a sort of character-driven dramatic horror film that ends with big explosions and giant alien things and well i'm just not gonna say no to any of that yeah (laughs) yeah i um watching it recently and also having just recently watched uh jordan peele's nope Mm. i kind of saw i don't know if you've seen it yet but i love it so much yeah um it kind of gave me similar vibes of like at the end that it's like Kiki Palmer. And in this case, it's like um, Michelle, like they're going up against a freaking big ass alien. And then they figure out, you know, essentially a way to freaking that. um, I've never been more terrified in broad daylight than watching that movie. Like, Oh, that was so good. I was definitely Jordan Peele's best film yet. I think. Oh really? I I do I do think that I think it's yeah. I think it's just by a hair's margin better than Get Out, and I think that it's quite a bit better than Us. I liked Us, but I, Us is not as strong as his other movies. I you know I think because I like slashers and that type of genre, I I ended up liking Us a lot more than Nope. I don't know why. Interesting, <laughs> interesting. Maybe maybe it's. Well, I mean, you you really like the, the like you said, the alien invasion, you know, any kaiju, anything like that. But well, so I, more so than that, I would say I like movies that have internal consistency, which is a, an, again mm. another thing I'm conflicted about with this movie because you know the Cloverfield universe, the plot holes are vast and many. Yes, um, <laughs> but like you know, I like movies that have internal. Uh, logic and I feel like Nope has a lot of great internal logic this thing is like a wild animal the way that they interact with it is like oh you know how a wild animal interacts it's why we never see what's his name the main character like make eye contact like look directly at oh yeah because Mm -hmm. of like that thing we like it from the the beginning it's like there's a lot of internal consistency going on with us it feels like so what the government made like a bunch of copies and now whatever a human gets born somehow two copies they find each other and they make a baby like him and it, they're exact but they're under the ground but they're in subways but not like subways people use they're like <laughs> we go through this like weird funhouse maze and we go into the tunnel deep enough, yeah <laughs> we'll find all these tunnels that just people walk around in what do they eat rabbits i guess where do the rabbits come from i have so many questions I want to love this movie but I just can't like it has to make some kind of sense and if it doesn't make sense someone on screen needs to go hey this doesn't make any sense 
Right. Have, have some sort of self-awareness about it, yeah. It's just like, it's okay if the solution, it's okay if the answer is goofy. It's okay if it's like, oh, we unlocked a secret demon portal that produces rabbits for them to eat. I mean, okay, cool, whatever, a demon portal. As long as you have, as long as you have an answer. As long as it's an answer or an explanation, <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, um, we've gone on so many tangents. Hey, I'm perfectly fine with that. <laughs> uh, that's why I love having you on. Um, yeah, so she she takes a good old Molotov. A mo- Did I just yeah, say that right? This thing like Molotov cocktail. Yeah, this thing like reaches its weird like tentacle things down to the truck she's hiding in, and, like pulls her up into the air. And I will say this about her character: she's scrappy. She's always she's always oh, plotting yeah. something. She like smashes him with the bottle and like tries to escape in the very beginning. She like steals the keys, and then later on she like does the hazmat suit thing. And then in this, it just, it feels like in this dude's truck, well, it's just, it's super convenient that she finds a bottle of alcohol, a piece of paper, and a working lighter. Yeah. All just, like, while she's frantically, like, falling through there. (laughs) But uh, I'm not going to complain, because it was cool. I liked it. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's like a, I I nudged Alex when I was on the couch. I was like, look, it's like a video game. You wait for it to open, Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, press uh press, press the X, X button. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> press it this many times. <laughs> yeah, I, I I did enjoy that scene. Um I will say um it does make sense that the alcohol bottle is in there because you see a scene in the beginning of the movie where she has this like expensive bottle of alcohol. I don't know why. Hmm. She just brought it with her, I guess, when she left her fiance. Um, oh, so it's almost like it's like a callback to the very beginning of the movie, then. Yeah, yeah, because I think she asks about it, or Howard tells her, like, "Oh, I didn't have a chance to grab the alcohol out of the car. I was like rushing," mm-hmm. which is like convenient that he just brings that up. But um, <laughs> so it, it does make sense that she does find it in there. But everything else, like the lighter or a towel, paper, whatever she stuffs in there, it's just like, oh, you just so happened to have it all land right beside you. (laughs) It's like, um, and listen, like, my brother has a messy truck full of stuff in it. Like, I know people with trucks, with cars that have the the footwell just becomes full of uh, things. (laughs) And I can cobble all sorts of MacGyver shenanigans out of the things that I find in people's cars. But (laughs) when it's, like, turned upside down and, like, hurling through the air, it's, I don't know, I'm... It's like, there's there's aliens devouring cars and shit at this point. It's like, I'm I'm fine. I'm okay. Find your damn Molotov cocktail. I'm I'm a... I'm a forgiving DM. What, you got a 17? I was going to make it 19, but fuck it. You, you do it. <laughs> you, you make the Molotov cocktail. It's, it's awesome. I'm I'm going by the rule of cool, and it's cooler that she makes a Molotov cocktail and kills it than if she, like, gets eaten with the car. Yeah. Um, what, what do you have in your car that you would use to destroy the alien if oh this were God. to happen to you? What an embarrassing question to answer. Um, well, uh, unfortunately, I'd be fucked because last night we went to go see Dungeons and Dragons. We went with our friend, Honey, who's been on the show before. 
and she uh, was sitting in the back seat. So before she got to our house, Alex was like, "Go outside, clean the car." <laughs> we'll not have money like sitting in trash. So I just cleaned out the back seat of the car. So, uh, but okay, we have a um, we have a like one of those like tire things that like props the car up so that you can change the tire. Oh, uh huh. Uh huh. Fucking like lug that shit. It's like heavy. That's oh all I yeah, got. that's all I got. That's a good idea. I'm trying to think of like what I have in my Jeep. One of those things that comes to mind is Japanese cherry blossom lotion from Bed- <laughs> from Bath and Body Works that Frank somehow always puts in the Jeep every time I dig it out. Um, I don't think that would work. Um, it would just make it smell really nice. Um, that wouldn't be so bad. Yeah, that wouldn't be so bad. I'm like, oh, it smells like Japanese cherry oh, blossom. It wasn't spraying toxic insecticide. It just needed some body spray. Yeah, just needed some body spray. Um, I probably have tools in the back, but it's like under one of those like secret compartment type things. So unless yeah. if I was thrown to the back of the Jeep. To say we have jumper cables, we'd have to somehow climb oh, yeah. out to the front and plug them into the battery and <laughs> yeah. put them on the weird space bugs nipples, but <laughs> we could maybe make it happen. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I, I, hey, just uh, just really slowly bring me up, okay? I can't yeah. fall. I, I got something really fun planned. Right. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. <laughs> Both, like... The ending, I think, worked because of the Cloverfield name, but also yeah. it, like, the Cloverfield name like held it back. Like so many people I heard talk about this movie, they were like, "Well, it didn't get good until the alien showed up." And it's like the the bunker is the movie. That is the movie. Yeah, and it's just important to go with that expectation. Is like this is a really impressive story told in a very like intimately limited number of places, and I think that's commendable. Yeah, I think they did a great job of doing that. And I, I think I think if this would have been pitched as more of an anthology series, kind right. of like American Horror Story style, like I Black think that Mirror, would... Love Death and Robots. Yeah, yeah. I think if it was pitched, like the Cloververse is pitched more mm-hmm. as an anthology series, I think that would have helped. Yeah. Or, or even if it's just kind of like these are um, like every 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 human uh, civilization that has ever lived in any universe always gets wiped out by some horrible monster or, or catastrophe or whatever. Uh, these are just all the different kinds. Have you ever seen? Uh, this is a, a fucking wild random tangent, but have you ever seen um, <laughs> Midnight Gospel on Netflix? Uh, I have not yet. Absolutely incredible show. Basically just like riveting conversations on like, like clipped from Duncan Trussell's podcast combined with like some lines that are spoken by the animated characters, but it's like, he'll just be talking about gun control with some politician or like uh, drug control with some politician. And meanwhile, like, his character and the president of the United States are, like, fighting zombies. Like, while they're just having this casual podcast. Oh, It's such a weird tone. (laughs) I love it so much. It's so bizarre. But in that that world, like, there are these fruits that they they grow that have Uh universes inside of them. 
and you, as a fruit, like as a universe fruit farmer, you grow the universe fruit, and then you go inside of that universe to get valuable loot from like civilizations that develop in that universe um, that you can then bring out into the real world. And that's actually the value. It's not the universe fruit itself. It's the stuff you can bring out of it. And it feels like that could have been, this is a very roundabout way of saying like, you could have just had it like, Oh, these are all just world ending threats that have this like similar Cloverfield moniker. The, the great filter that keeps humans from like, you know, getting off of earth is like, called the Cloverfield event or whatever. Right. Um, I just, I'm trying to think of a way to make it work. But I, yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's tough. You could go down the rabbit hole and like try to link them all together. And I think there are like very small, like Easter eggs mm-hmm. from paradox that connect. Well, and he mentions, I feel like, um, Emmett mentions the like bright light, being like a force of God or something. And then we talk about in, I think paradox, there's like, Oh, the big flash of light that like brings monsters into our plane of existence or whatever. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. The, the whole dimension door thing is like, it's, it's fine. It works. I'm a DM. I, I've used my fair share of fucking dimension doors before, (laughs) but it's like, you know, you have just a portal to another world and like anything can come out of there. It's not, it's not like a universe. You're just, oh, a, a monster came out. Well, a different monster came out. Oh, it's a different universe. Oh. Oh. You don't actually have <laughs> yeah. to have anything connected because they can just cross universes. Yeah. But o- overall, I will say I liked this movie. I think it's good. Um, if you're watching it for Cloverfield references, like we've talked about, it's not necessarily for that. Um, but you kind of get your fill in the last like 10, literal 10 minutes. Yeah. If that. <laughs> but um, like, all right, we, we built this bunker and we're going to film most of the movie in this bunker so that we can spend, you know, just $20 million or whatever on the final 10 minutes of the movie. Right. <laughs> oh my God. But, um, but yeah, overall, I really liked it. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I like. I know it too. You, I, I know you've kind of said it, but <laughs> I thought that I thought that like the the characters were all really interesting and nuanced. I thought that um, John Goodman's character wasn't like uh, a very sort of obvious and like lazy monster. He felt like he was a very nuanced yeah. and shady character that I both you know at one point in the movie feel some bit of empathy towards and also uh am fearful of like yeah on a dime it like changes on a dime in that way that like i feel like one of the things alex can't like doesn't really like in movies is is you know this kind of like power dynamic like abusive relationship thing but i mean is of course you know a necessary part of telling the story, right? Like these things happen. You have to be able to like make art about things. But right, um, I thought that this movie was like really effective in making me like deeply uncomfortable. Like yeah. you have you have this tyrant who is like controlling your every move, and you can't escape because 
this fucking crackpot psycho is actually right this time. Like, what a fucking, what an inconvenient pain in the ass that, like, not even escape is an option. Yeah. There's nowhere to run to. That's why I like space horror so much. No one can hear you scream. Yeah, I I think that's part of the reason why I do kind of like Cloverfield Paradox is that it's I feel like it's one of the few like sci-fi space horror movies that I've seen personally. Um, I'm sure there's more out there. Um, and I I I actually saw a um a Netflix show. Uh, it's actually a a Korean. Uh, South Korean show. Um, I'll I'll have to send it to you, Zach. Is it if about you're interested. Like, the water on the moon or whatever? Yeah, yeah. The Silent Sea, I think it's called. Yeah, have you seen yeah, it? Yeah. Alex and I started watching that. Yeah, it's really good. I I liked it, and a lot of the Cloverfield Paradox kind of reminded me of that. So I was like wondering, oh, did they share this script? Because <laughs> there's a lot of similarities, but um, there's there's a. Um... There's a movie that I've always loved called, uh, no, not Prometheus. That's the one. That's the, the aliens movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, it's not coming to me, but it's, uh, it's a, I'll look it up. It's the movie about, it's a movie about this like starship that goes on this, like, you know, hunt several hundred year trip. And so everybody goes into cryo sleep and like, this girl like wakes up and shit is like fucked and she doesn't know why. And that is kind of like the entire premise of it is like either the ship's been in cryo for way too long and people have started to like mutate into weird monsters or some other shenanigans is, is going down. Um, terrifying and like a really cool like space horror flick. I'm sure what it's called. After you oh. saying that, like I, it sounds familiar, but I can't think of the name of it either. We're doing great. <laughs> yeah, Pandorum is the name of the film I'm thinking of. Pandorum. Oh, nice. Yeah. So Zach, if you want to let the listeners know where they can find you and Alex on my cabbages, and uh, where they can find you, all that good stuff. Uh. We are my cabbages, me and my lovely partner Alex. Uh, we do this great show, my cabbages. We've been doing it for three whole seasons uh, since the dawn of the pandemic. April of 2020 is when we started this podcast. Um, and we are just about done uh, Avatar. We're last two episodes. Again, big, flashy special guest. You're not going to want to miss it. And then we'll do Cora. We'll do Cora later on. Um, and you can find me uh, on Twitter and Instagram. I'm uh, at CyberToaster. I draw men, make art and stuff, and uh, haven't in a while. And I'm trying to get back into making art on a regular basis. So I will be posting stuff there. Nice. <laughs> and you can um, follow me on at SuperScaryPod on all the socials. You can email me at superscarypodcast at gmail.com. And we release episodes every Monday. So check back next Monday uh, where we cover the last Cloverfield movie, at least for now. Apparently they're making more, supposedly. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I have I realized in, in my um, end of episode stupor that I that I read my Twitter handle but didn't read the handles for our podcast. So we do a podcast <laughs> called My Cabbages. 
Uh, you can find us at CabbageCast on Twitter. We're at MyCabbageCast on Instagram. And we are uh, MyCabbageCast at gmail.com. Those three things are how you get in touch with us. Sorry, please continue. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so please uh follow us and follow all of our awesome deus ex media uh siblings um we're cool fun uh fandom podcasts so you can find something that fits your fancy um yeah and we'll see you next monday for our season finale and our finale of coverage for the cloverfield movies uh we have steve from the bucket of chum podcast so uh lots of good is that a spongebob podcast no it is actually <laughs> close it's a it's a shark movie podcast which is pretty good oh a shark movie mm-hmm. podcast. that's a fun yeah is a... you gotta run out eventually though it can't be that many sharks. uh you'd be surprised uh he 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 uh, has some crazy ones that he's covered already, so... Oh, and I guess you've got, like, all the, like, Sharknado... Right. The shark Sharktopus... Sharktosaurus Rex, or whatever. Yeah, I don't think he's even gotten to those yet, but... (laughs) Um, Yeah, this has been uh, great, Josh. Love the show, love coming on, love talking about movies. I'm a fucking slut for movies. (laughs) I'm such a movie dork. I love it so much. I will talk, like, I, f- I feel like Alex likes going to the movies with me, but I will talk for so long about the movie after I see it. Like, <laughs> I will make sure all my thoughts are heard. She loves it, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I love it, so you can always talk about your thoughts here. <laughs> Um, (laughs) and thank you so much listeners for joining us this week on super scary podcast and we'll see you next Monday. Bye. Bye. Hey there, Super Scary listeners. Thank you so much for listening to the Super Scary Podcast this week. This podcast is edited and hosted by me, Josh. Our executive producers are myself and my wonderful husband, Frank. You can enjoy new episodes of Super Scary every Monday, wherever you enjoy your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate you giving us a review and subscribing on your favorite platform so you get notified when the new episodes drop. If you enjoy our content, please join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Super Scary Podcast. You can also email us at superscarypodcast at gmail.com if you have movie review suggestions for the upcoming seasons. See you next Monday for the new episode. Bye-bye! Coffee. Tea. Honor. Cabbage. Long ago. The four elements lived in harmony. Then, shit went totally cray when the Avatar attacked. Only the Cabbage Man, merchant of fine cruciferous vegetables, could stand against his trolling. But when the world needed some dank veg, he vanished. Ten years have passed, and my partner and I have started a new podcast. My Cabbages! An Avatar podcast. A weekly show about Avatar The Last Airbender. Whether it's Sokka's new line of cologne. Hey, look at you. 
sitting there on a seal. Well, now look it back at me. I'm on a, on an even bigger seal. Now look away. D&D related antics. You have to make an acrobatics check for that. And Aang just like unzips his pants and whips out his D20s. He's just like, I got this. Or randomly breaking into song. We'll stumble our way through the greatest show ever made, one episode at a time. You can reach us at CabbageCast, which is our Twitter, or subscribe wherever you catch pod. Rotten cabbages? What kind of slum do you think this is? Dave X Media.